Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The B-Sides. This is Ariel Sturman of Bessemer Venture Partners, and I'm joined here today by Zohar Bronfman, co-founder and CEO of Pecan.ai. In this episode, we discuss Zohar's transition from academia to entrepreneurship and the many challenges and opportunities that arose as they made their way from the research lab to the real world. You've got to get back to building, so let's get to it. Zohar, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Ariel. It's uh, great to be here. It's a long time coming. I've been excited to have you on the podcast since, uh, since I thought of the idea to begin with. So thank you for being one of the first guests here. One of the interesting things about you and your co-founder that I wanted to talk about and, and maybe first give some background on yourself is that you both came from the world of academia. And today I wanted to talk a bit about that transition from academia to entrepreneurship, the transition from being kind of a researcher behind the desk in a lab and then going out to build a company, I believe, without any commercial experience. So if you can just give a little bit of background, maybe first on on your background and how you got to where you are today. Sure, with pleasure. I think it's a, it's a very interesting topic. Noam, uh, who's our uh, co-founder and CTO and myself, we met in our very first day of our master's degree in computational neuroscience in Tel Aviv University. And uh, we befriended immediately and we just knew we we're going to work together and be very good friends. And we basically started doing all of the research together. And one thing led to another, and we ended up doing a PhD in the same field of computational neuroscience. And uh, like you say, we basically immersed ourselves in pure academic statistical research with, uh, you know, the whole nine yards of publishing papers and kind of um, building yourself uh, an academic career. I actually did, while doing this PhD with Noam, I actually did another PhD in uh, philosophy which is even more academic. I thought I saw that on your LinkedIn. What yeah. was the topic? I'm, I'm just curious. It was the evolution of cognitive mechanisms in uh, animals and humans. Awesome. So it's a very academic topic. Uh, and that led you to build Pecan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, like you said, when we were approaching like the final months of our uh, studies, we had we came to this junction where we had to make a decision if we were to continue and pursue our academic career or maybe do something else. And that track is becoming a professor. That, that's kind of the, the, exactly. the career you had in front of you. Exactly. Doing a postdoctoral somewhere, usually abroad, and then uh, becoming a, a professor and getting tenure and publishing papers and researching some scientific domain was the journey or the avenue we were set on. And uh, we didn't have concrete plans on doing anything else, but Noam always had this appeal towards, uh, let's call it something a bit more applicable. And also, uh, Noam had background as a BI expert. From, from a commercial experience? From or a commercial from, experience. From the army? From, from okay. the army, from the commercial experience. He worked a couple of years as a BI expert, so I didn't have any commercial background, but uh, Noam understood the potential of data science on the one hand, which we kind of learned during our studies. And on the other, he understood the background of the world of BI, which lacked data science capabilities. And that was basically the idea. I remember Noam, basically, you know, when we were kind of discussing what shall we do with our lives, basically, Noam said something like, what about building a SaaS platform that will bring data science capabilities to BI analysts? 
And I said, sounds like an amazing idea, but what is SaaS platform? <laughs> <laughs> you knew what BI was. I, I did. Okay. <laughs> At least that. So yeah, the transition from that uh, very pure, scientific, very ivory tower state of mind into let's build something commercial that in our case brings data science capabilities to BI happened very abruptly. And unexpectedly, and yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it otherwise. I mean, the interesting thing is, so you say you're a month before finishing your PhD, and you guys say, okay, we have a, this crossroads to choose. Do we stay in academia? Do we go out? People who usually would leave academia would go into the commercial world, but maybe not take the plunge to being an entrepreneur and having immense responsibility to take their research, productize it, turn it into something commercial, sell it, scale it. And you guys chose to do that. What, what led you to do that versus joining a company as a data scientist, as a BI expert as well? Was, was that on the cards at the time? I think both of us had and honestly still have a very burning passion to create, to build, to, to disrupt. And uh, this can come in different ways. And obviously, we could have gotten some position somewhere and do that as well. But I, I think it's a bug. You know, we talk with entrepreneurs, we talk with colleagues. You get this bug where you want to kind of uh, march ahead and change. And I think we got it as well. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be kind of restricted to a, a role at a, at a company. You know, just to give you a bit of my bias as a, as a VC investor now for, for about seven years, I don't think we've made all that many investments into academics, at least here within the Israeli portfolio, but definitely globally, I'm sure we've, we've made more. But when you went out and decided, okay, we're going to take the startup route, we're going to go raise money. How did those conversations go with VC investors? Were they excited? Hey, these are two brilliant guys going to do something awesome. Or was there the skepticism that I imagine, you know, that I did feel in our initial conversations three years ago of, Hey, these guys are very smart, but can they build something? Can they sell something? It's a great question. When we started talking to some VCs back in the day, we didn't even know what to expect. What would you expect from someone who doesn't know what a SaaS platform is? <laughs> uh, the VC landscape was a complete uh, uncharted territory for us. But I do think that eventually, now in hindsight, I don't think there's a very good school to being a first-time entrepreneur and CEO. For sure, other historical paths might have been more specifically related to what I'm doing today than doing a PhD in philosophy, for example. Although one can argue the, the opposite, by the way, and we can talk about that as well. Well, you're a philosopher, so you're, we could get into it if you want. <laughs> but I will definitely say that for being, I think, an entrepreneur, for disrupting a market, you have to just be very flexible and learn on the fly, at least from my experience. And to be honest, uh, I do think VCs kind of recognized that we will have this capability. And yeah, although in hindsight, again, it was a very unorthodox and uncommon motion to come from the uh, ivory tower and start a company, we were able to gain uh, good traction with uh, a few VCs and ended up taking an investment from uh, S Capital, from Chaim Sadger mm -hmm. and Aya. And yeah, I think, you know, they really believed in us. 
as, and, the, as they should. And clearly, clearly they made a good decision and hopefully continue to be so. Looking back on the Zohar who left, you know, your PhD program, finished your PhD and then went out to start a company. What do you wish you knew then? I mean, this is, you're right. This applies to every first time entrepreneur. There's many different paths, but specifically coming from academia, you, you had to learn everything about building a business, building an organization, salaries, uh, benefits, rent. How did you start? So I, I would say that during those uh, first months, even a year, when I ramped up, um, Chaim and Aya uh, were a great source of knowledge. So it's not rocket science. Eventually, kind of laying the foundations, understanding what's B2B, uh, software is all about, uh, how you should strategize around building the company, which people you should be hiring first and why. As long as uh, you have good investors, good seed investors, like S Capital, like Bessemer, like other firms out there, I think that the basics are relatively easy to catch up with. And the places that non-trivial are actually places where you don't have a good school. You need to read a lot and, and, and talk to a lot of people and surround yourself with people of various experiences. But eventually, I don't think there's a great school that you should come from to, to build a great company. I mean, ultimately, everyone is faced with these, with these same questions and, and dialogues and deliberations. That's the, kind of the idea behind these types of conversations I like to have with entrepreneurs, which is there's no right one way to build a company. You know, you could choose A, you could choose B. You can take five years and be a data scientist somewhere and then go start your company, or you can go right away and do it. And so it's really interesting to hear from somebody who, who went straight into it. You know, one of the things I've always thought is that the importance of having a low ego and not saying, oh, I can figure this out myself. You know, I, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it. You know, being able to say, I need to ask somebody. I need to find somebody complimentary. It sounds like both you and Noam, both being very academically oriented, had, had you built software before? Were you developers? And I guess pretty early on, you probably needed to supplement the team with engineers, with product, and, and not go out and build it yourselves. Absolutely. So I, I couldn't agree more, and I think it's a super important point, and that's probably the most important point from my perspective. In some sense, the fact that we came with very little or no experience allowed us to very naturally acknowledge the fact that we need a lot of help. And maybe... It played in our favor, I don't know. But till this very day, there are places or areas where I lack either complete or partial experience, and I feel very comfortable reaching out to uh, colleagues, networks, investors, other employees in the company. And yeah, Norm and I did it very naturally from day one. We understood what we want to build. We understood that there are many question marks and there are many unknown unknowns, as we say. And we never felt any hesitation on getting additional perspective or help. Being very honest about the gaps or the holes that might be, you know, in, in your skill sets or histories, then being able to fill that in with others. Um, when you were hiring employees, was there skepticism from them with regards to, hey, these are two academics, you know, they're going to go build something? Or were people excited to, to kind of be at the frontier of real technological innovation and, and apply their building skills to it or some of those conversations like in all honesty i don't think there was skepticism because i think at least the kind of people that we would like to work with are people that are 
more impressed by uh, the actual ease and not by a resume. This is also how we hire. And I do think that having entrepreneurs, having the founders be in a place where they recognize they need to catch up on gaps is actually something very empowering for employees. So if I were to join an early stage startup, I would actually look for those individuals rather than someone who will, quote unquote, know it all and just give me, quote unquote, orders. Right. Tell you what to do. Exactly. Very interesting. I want to think about some of the other entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs sitting out in Hebrew University, in Technion, in, in Tel Aviv University, thinking about starting a company. What would you suggest to them? When do you know if it's right? What do you wish you knew then that you knew now in making that transition? And we've touched on many of the different ideas, but sort of if you could speak to, I'm sure people reach out to you and say, hey, you know, I'm doing my PhD in philosophy and I want to build a, an e-commerce marketplace. So yeah, people do reach out and people do ask. And, and I always say it and will continue to say uh, that there's no um, single formula that works for everyone and that my experience is very contingent and doesn't imply anything uh, anywhere. Spoken like a true data scientist. <laughs> and philosopher. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, I would say, uh, first and foremost, we, Noam and I, we were very, very lucky to have Chaim and I as our uh, first investors. We didn't even realize how lucky we were when it happened. Sometimes you realize the luck you had only in retrospect. So if the first and foremost, the advice I could give is find the best investors you can and, and resonate with them, click with them and use them, work with them, rely on their experience. It was a magical for us, still is. I want to let you keep going, but it's interesting because so many entrepreneurs, even after they take money, like, yeah, my investors were helpful, but like, we're really building it. But it really sounds like you guys got real value from the people that you brought around the table and, you know, people that are very well respected in this ecosystem. And so the importance of not just surrounding yourself with the best people, but the best investors, too, who, who have experience, who know what they're doing. I mean, for me, it's gratifying to hear you say that because obviously that's the pitch we give to entrepreneurs. But um, it's nice to hear that you have sort of that appreciation for what they can bring to the table with their pattern recognition, with their experience. Absolutely. I very much uh, think this way. I think that, um, again, from my experience and my experience alone, the kind of uh, perspective and experience and knowledge and pattern recognition, as you say, that uh, VCs have is different and complementary to the one you would get as an entrepreneur. You see things from one angle, they see it from a, a different one. Usually they see it from a wider angle, potentially not always as deep as you can get into your specific domain. But it's so complementary that for us, it just worked like the charm. And, and still is, that's the important thing. It, it never dies out. So th th that's the best advice I can give uh, someone who's considering the transition, especially, again, if you're an academic and don't have a lot of commercial experience, you'll need to fill those gaps. The other advice, which is related, is uh, advisors or consultants. It's not a trivial one. And some advisors can waste more time than generate value. But if you pick them correctly, and if you do a hiring process, which is very similar to hiring uh, key employees, then you might gain a ton of value from several uh, experts in their respective domain. 
And from my perspective, the sooner the better. Uh, I won't go into details, obviously, but Pekin uh, would have never gotten to the place where it is today without the help of our advisors uh, across the, the, the stages. Awesome. I think that's really critical. And, and to choose the right advisors for the different stages that you're in. Another question, maybe perhaps one last question on that transition from academia. Did you bring along any other folks, whether it was professors of yours? How deeply involved was, were the people prior to you making the leap? You know, with, were they chairman, advisors? Did you have any relationships like that that were maintained after the fact? Nothing substantial. We obviously maintain relationship with our uh, peers and friends in the academia, and we uh, kind of keep up to date. But uh, I can't say that uh, strategically we relied on our academic uh, relationships. Yeah. That's where you came from. So to your point earlier, to, to fill in the gaps with the folks who, who know the other side of the table. So Exactly. Well, awesome. I usually like to ask our guests, and kind of your answer might be obvious, but it's called the B-sides, and not just because the B could stand for Bessemer, but because like there's two choices. You know, There's more than two choices. There's many different options people could take on the entrepreneurial journey. But on a personal journey... What's your B-side? Where, where would you have gone if you didn't go this route? I guess academia is probably the natural answer. Yes, I think uh, naturally if I haven't gone on this route, I would probably go towards research in academia. The direction that spoke to me the most was a combination of the two domains I studied, so philosophy and neuroscience. And I was very much looking into expanding to uh, philosophy of neuroscience, which is a very new field, very interesting field, uh, that in some ways obviously relates to what we do at PECAN because it thinks about how AI is being implemented and uh, brain processes, explaining human behavior, various things that we do eventually doing in very different mode today. Very cool. Well, maybe one day you'll be able to get back to that after... Uh a successful journey with Pecan. So thanks again for coming by, Zohar. I really appreciate you joining us here. My and pleasure. Uh, I'm sure folks out there are happy to hear you tell your story of the transition from academia to entrepreneurship to being a founder here in the Israeli techies ecosystem. And I imagine it's probably fairly similar to any, any academic out there thinking about that, that same move. So really appreciate you taking the time and hope to hear great things about Pecan continued ahead. Thanks for having me, Ariel. It was a pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening to The B-Sides, the podcast exploring the many tactical and strategic decisions taken by founders and operators at every step of the startup journey. Be sure to subscribe wherever you might be listening. And if you want to share any feedback, you can find me on Twitter at Ariel Sturman. Have a wonderful day.